Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. For those who don't know me, my name's Nate, and it's my privilege to serve as a pastor here at Richmond. And uh, yeah, we're really, really glad that you have come to spend some time with us today and to celebrate what today is all about. I want to begin our message today by asking you, what would you do if Jesus showed up here physically? What would you do if Jesus walked in through those doors and suddenly was here? In fact, I would love you to close your eyes and picture what that would be like. What would you say to Jesus? What do you think he would say to you? What do you picture that he would look like? What do you imagine would be his body language? It's an interesting question to wrestle with because the reality is that is what we actually believe, is that Jesus is here with us today. Now, while we recognise that Jesus isn't here physically with us today, our belief is that what we celebrate today is that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is alive, which means that Jesus is here with us. He's present here with us, just as he has been throughout this week, just as he will be throughout the week to come. The challenge for many of us is whether we expect that or not, whether we anticipate that whether we look for Jesus, whether we tune in to Jesus, or whether we miss out on seeing him, either because of our expectations or perhaps because of our distractions. And so today we want to spend a bit of time exploring a story where something very, very similar happens. Today we are wrapping up the series that we've been doing all the way through Lent. So we have taken the last six weeks to do a series called The Way of Jesus, where we have walked through a number of snapshots that we read in the book of Luke about Jesus' journey to the cross. And as we've done that, we've spent some time exploring a whole bunch of practices that we find are attached to those snapshots, things that Jesus models for us about what it looks like to tune in and to be present to him. We've talked about the way of worship, we've talked about the way of compassion, the way of prayer, the way of peace, the way of forgiveness, and the way of surrender. And the reason why these practices are so important for us is because they do give us an opportunity to tune into what we know is true, but often forget, that Jesus is with us. Practices are an opportunity for us to engage our hearts and our minds and our bodies with what Jesus is doing. And so today we bring that journey to a close, but we recognise that that is the ongoing reality for all of us, is to continue to explore practices that help us to tune into the reality of what we celebrate today, that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is with us. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Luke chapter 24, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, you can open up to either the Bible or you can open up to our notes. So uh, if you've got the Bible app, you can go bottom right where it says more, and then tap on events, and then Richmond Baptist, and uh, you'll be able to see our teaching outline, or if you've got your journal or your notebook with you, I encourage you to grab that so that you can jot things down as we make our way through uh, today's passage. Before we jump into the passage, I want us to just recognise that it can be fairly easy for us to judge the people who are in this narrative that we're looking at today, to say, because of what we know, how could they have possibly missed everything that they missed? But it's very important for us to just walk back and recognise how they were feeling as this day begins, to think back over what this last week has involved for them, and particularly the last few days, 
where they have seen everything that's happened to Jesus. They've seen him arrested. They've seen him mocked. They've seen him beaten. They've seen all of the terrible things that have happened to him. They've ultimately seen him crucified. They've seen him hung on the cross. They've seen him take his last breath. And they have watched Jesus die. They've seen Jesus taken down from the, tomb, uh, taken down from the cross and laid in the tomb. They've seen the stone rolled in front of that and how final that must have felt for them. And how dark that first Easter Saturday must have been for those first followers of Jesus. Just imagine everything that you had believed in is gone. It's all finished. All your hopes and dreams, all your expectations have been buried with Jesus in that tomb. And now you're left with the stark reality that the religious leaders haven't gone away. And depending on how you respond to everything that's gone on, there's a chance that they'll be coming for you next. So after a very long and dark Saturday, you get up this morning, and it's not with a sense of joy that a lot of us probably had as we woke up this morning. It's with these massive questions about what happens next. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, some of your friends have been to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body for burial permanently, and they've come back and said that the body wasn't there. Peter and some of your other friends have also gone there, and they've come back, and they've also said that the body's not there either. But far from that being something where you suddenly come alive and celebrate, there's a sense of even more confusion that kicks in at this point. I would assume that their assumption was probably that this is something else that the religious leaders have done with Jesus' body, or this is continued mocking that's been going on by the Roman soldiers, and now they've done something with Jesus' body as well. Their understanding was that Jesus was dead, and this was over. It wasn't even on their radar that he might be alive and would suddenly be appearing to them. So it's very important that we tap into their understanding, their emotion of what they were going through as this story begins. So Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they discussed and talked about these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. It's an interesting aside here, in terms of what our picture is of these two disciples, these two followers who are walking along this road is. I don't know about you, but certainly for me, my picture of this that's been painted over the years has been of two male disciples walking along the road. However, there's a very good possibility that this was actually a man and a woman the translation of the word two can also be translated as the word couple. And we know, as we'll find out later, that one of them is a guy named Cleopas, and we understand that they're going back to their home, so they clearly live together as well. And so some have suggested that this was actually Cleopas and his wife who were walking along the road to Emmaus that Jesus appears to. Interesting aside, might change our picture of what that all looks like. But either way, these two people are heading home. A seven-mile, 11-kilometre walk from Jerusalem. Heading home after all of their expectations has been dashed, as I said. Heading home after potentially years of following Jesus. Heading home to a sense of emptiness. What on earth are we supposed to do now? 
And suddenly a stranger comes up to them on the road and they don't recognise who it is. They're lost in their grief, they're lost in their confusion, that they don't even see that it's Jesus. And I wonder how often that happens for us as well, that we miss Jesus, even though he's actually present with us. Especially in our dark times, sometimes it can be really, really hard for us to see Jesus. I know for me, when I'm feeling stressed or when I'm feeling overwhelmed or I've got a massive to-do list, I can miss Jesus. When I'm tired, which if I'm honest is generally because I've made poor decisions about what time I've gone to bed or about neglecting exercise, but when I'm feeling tired and run down, I can miss Jesus. When I zoom out and think about the suffering that's occurring in places in the world where people don't have enough food to eat, when I think about the situation in the Ukraine, when I think about what's happening in South Africa, when I think about the places where poverty and conflict are so common that they don't even make our news cycles anymore, I can miss Jesus. And yet our belief is that Jesus is present in all of those situations and in all of those circumstances. There isn't a moment where Jesus isn't walking with us, where Jesus isn't drawing near to us. So I'd love you to take a moment to just check in. How much, as we sit here on Easter Sunday, are you missing Jesus? Are there things that are maybe getting in the way for you, which are stopping you from being able to see that Jesus is with you, Jesus is walking with you? Is there an opportunity in the midst of whatever's happening for you to, for you to be able to stop and to see that Jesus is here with you right now? In verse 17, Jesus then asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. They were a little bit stunned by this question. So, what are you guys talking about? And you can imagine them stopping in their tracks just like the heads being hung held low. Really? We've got to go over this again? Like, where have you been? How can you not know everything that's been going on? Again, remember, it's only a week ago today that Jesus entered into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey with the city greeting him and hailing him as their king, this thunderous outpouring of praise about who Jesus was. Throughout the week, we know that the crowds have played a huge part in Jesus ending up being crucified. Countless people would have walked past Jesus and seen him up on the hill as he was hanging on the cross. People would have seen Jesus taken down from the cross and laid in the tomb. Everyone in Jerusalem would have been talking about what has been going on. Imagine if these events had taken place in Adelaide in the last week. Do you think that anyone would be unaware of what has been going on? Well, they're generous enough to give Jesus a full reply. They don't know that's him, obviously. But in the second half of verse 19, they say, About Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. 
But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. It's interesting that here we can already see them starting to shift their perceptions of who Jesus is. We thought that Jesus was the Messiah. We thought he was the guy who was going to come and rescue us. He was this new king who was going to establish Israel where it's supposed to be. But he's died. So I guess that we were wrong. He must have just been a prophet, someone who spoke on behalf of God, a really powerful teacher, like he said, some really, really amazing things, a miracle worker. But he can't have been the Messiah because look where he is. They continue on. And what's more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So they talk about what they've been through. This morning we got up and some of our friends and women went to the tomb and they couldn't find his body and they said that they saw an angel who told them that Jesus was alive, but, you know, like an angel, sure you heard an angel. Some of the disciples went and they also found the tomb was empty, but they didn't see Jesus, so who knows what's going on? Like We don't know what's happening. Jesus replies in verse 25, "'How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken.'" Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. It's one of those times when it's really important for us to tune into our perception of what Jesus' tone is here, where he says, how foolish you are. Do we see Jesus kind of giving them a scolding? You idiots, what's wrong with you? How can you possibly have missed this? The word foolish can actually be translated as silly. How silly you are. I can almost imagine Jesus kind of ruffling their hair. Oh, you're so silly. How could you have missed this? Don't you remember everything that you were told was going to unfold? Don't you remember all of this was talked about? The tomb is empty now. Do you remember what we said could have happened that would mean that the tomb is empty? And so starting with Moses and walking his way through the prophets, Jesus walks through the whole Old Testament and helps them to understand everything that was spoken about him. Imagine what that conversation would have been like. This is one of those times where I'm like, how could there not have been a little bit more? Like, Luke, really? Couldn't you have just included a little bit of that? That would have been very helpful for us. Jesus's articulation of what the Old Testament's all about. That would have been a good summary for us to be able to have and to hold on to. But what's fascinating is that they still, at this point, don't realise that they're talking to Jesus. And this is a very important thing for us to recognise, because sometimes we can do the same thing, that we can faithfully read Scripture and faithfully read our Bibles and still miss Jesus. The whole reason that we engage with Scripture, the whole reason that we explore Scripture is so that we can encounter Jesus. That's the reason that we read the Bible It's not a book of rules. It's not a book of interesting facts for us to read. We read scripture so that we can encounter Jesus. Very quick little plug. This is what we're going to unpack in May and June. We're going to spend quite a bit of time digging into this together as we look at all the different types of scripture and the ways in which as we explore those, we can encounter Jesus. So we're going to come back to that. 
Today, I think it's a helpful question for us to wrestle with. First of all, are we engaging with Scripture? Are we exploring Scripture at all? But if we are, are we doing it so that we can encounter Jesus? Is our expectation to meet Jesus as we read the words of Scripture together? And it's a good reminder about why it's important for us to do that with each other, to not just do that on our own, because sometimes it is hard for us to be able to see Jesus. So who are we reading Scripture with? Who are we unpacking that with so that together we can encounter Jesus? Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. They reached their destination. Remember, they've been walking for 11 kilometres, been walking basically all the way through the day. And Jesus at this point acts as if he's going further, but they held him back. It's interesting that it says they urged him strongly. It was kind of grabbing, no, no, don't keep going. We want you to come and stay with us. Like, this has been so great. We've had such a great conversation. Let's hang out some more. Stay for dinner. We want to keep talking. We want to continue to spend time together. It reminds us that Jesus doesn't force himself on us. Jesus doesn't impose himself on us. Jesus waits for an invitation. We need to make a choice to say, Jesus, I want to spend time with you. I want to invite you in. I want to slow down and hang out with you. Are we inviting Jesus in? Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It's so fascinating that this is the point where Jesus is revealed to them. You can almost imagine how much of a vivid flashback this must have been. Go back to Thursday night, sitting with Jesus, his final meal with his disciples. He breaks bread. And so they're sitting at a table. Jesus grabs some bread. He gives thanks for it. And as he breaks it, you can kind of almost imagine, boom, they're like, (laughs) suddenly they realize this is Jesus. And he's been with us the whole time. I'm sure it must have been frustrating for them that at that moment Jesus also disappears and they don't get to spend time with him. But they realise Jesus has been here the whole time. We've had all these great conversations. No wonder we felt the way that we did. In a few moments, we're going to participate in communion together. And it's a great reminder that when we spend time with communion, it's about meeting with Jesus, our risen King Jesus. Communion is not just about remembering his death and his sacrifice, as important as that is. Communion is also about reminding ourselves that Jesus is here with us right now. Communion is another beautiful practice that enables us to tune into the reality that Jesus is with us. We often talk about how important practices are, and this is the reason why. Because practices, whatever they look like, whether that is scripture reading or prayer or communion or Sabbath or eating together or compassion, whatever it looks like, are opportunities for us to slow down enough to be able to tune in and to meet with Jesus. We talk about them as practices because the idea of spiritual disciplines conjures up certain images for lots of us. And even the idea of calling them habits 
conjures up certain images for us. But practices remind us that it's something that we're doing, but it also reminds us that it's something that we need to keep working at. So practice. We haven't got it nailed down yet. That's okay. We all have to keep practicing tuning in to Jesus. That's why these things are important. Not so that we can tick them off our to-do list, not that we can feel super spiritual, but so that we can say, Jesus is here. How do I tune in to that reality? And so I want to give you a moment to just reflect on what that looks like before we participate in communion together. As you think about what's on the other side of Easter, as you think about what comes up this week in the next couple of months for you, what are the things that could help you to be able to discover Jesus, to discover that Jesus is with you? Are you taking the time to invite Jesus in? Are you allowing your eyes to be open to the reality that is with you no matter what your circumstances are? Are you recognising Jesus with you? And particularly, are there some practices that you know help you to be able to tune in to Jesus? I'd love to give you a moment just to think about something and perhaps to write something down that you want to hold on to as we move into this week, to say, I want to keep focused on this, not because I have to, not because it's what's expected of me, but simply so that I can encounter Jesus and remind myself that he's with me. So take a moment to reflect on what that could look like for you and jot something down if that's helpful. wherever we're at in our journey. The Road to Emmaus reminds us that we don't simply believe in a wonderful teacher who lived a good life, did some really, really amazing and powerful things, and gave us a model for how to live, but then died, and that was the end of it. We believe in the risen Jesus, who walks with us on all of the roads that we're walking, in every single circumstance that we're in, who allows us to wrestle with our questions and our doubts wants to open our eyes to the reality of what it is that he's doing in us and around us. Our focus is not on the question that we sometimes think about, what would Jesus do if he was here with us? But the recognition that Jesus is here with us. And so the question is, what is Jesus doing in me and around me? And how can I join Jesus in what he's already doing? As we move beyond Easter, that's my prayer, is that we would continue to search for Jesus, continue to seek him out, continue to look and listen, to recognise where he's already at work in our lives and in the lives of the people that we interact with, to discover what it looks like to continue to walk with Jesus down the roads that we walk. Let's pray, and then we'll move into communion. Jesus, we are so grateful that you are here with us right now. We're sorry that so often we are distracted 
or our focus is clouded because of the things that are going on in our lives. And regularly that's because we just go from one thing to the next to the next and don't take the time to pause and to recognise that you're with us. So we thank you for the space that we've got today to be able to do that, to pause, to celebrate you, to celebrate that you are the risen King Jesus and that you walk with us in all of our circumstances. We thank you that there are so many different ways that we can pause and be able to engage with you, to recognise who you are, to recognise what it is that you're doing, and again, to recognise that you're present with us. My prayer and my desire as we move on the other side of Easter, this build-up that we've had for weeks, this focus that we've had to get to this day, is not that there would be this kind of big come-down and that this week would just go back to normal, but that there will be a sense of expectation and excitement about what it looks like for us to continue to walk with you, to daily be able to see the ways in which you're with us, to daily be able to see the things that you're doing around us, to daily receive the invitation that you give us to be able to participate in the work that you're doing. We pray that you would help us to find ways of being able to tune into that so that we can live as the people that you've given us the privilege of being able to live as. In your name we pray. Amen.